Last week, in our class of the Tafsir of the Quran, to the Tafsir of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we looked at the incident or, or the incident surrounding Tahweel Al Qibla, from Bayt Al Maqdis to Masjid Al Haram, from Bayt Al Maqdis to or to Masjid Al Haram. And we mentioned in last week's class that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Salla, he prayed towards Bayt Al Maqdis. For how long? Sitta Ashar, Shahran, or Sabata Ashar. For 16 to 17 months. That the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was praying towards the direction of Baytul Maqdis. And in the first era, the Meccan era, this was not an issue at all for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Reason being, the way the Kaaba is, you could face anywhere, but yet the Kaaba, if you're in Masjid Al Haram, it will still be in front of you. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam will face the Kaaba between Hajarul Aswad and Ruknul Yamani, but facing where? Baytul Maqdis, facing Bilad al-Sham. So it was not an issue. And then the Prophet migrated from Mecca to Medina. Then it became an issue. Because Mecca or Medina was between Mecca and Baytul Maqdis. So the Prophet if he faced Baytul Maqdis, his back would be turned towards where? towards Masjid al-Haram, to the Kaaba. And if the Prophet ﷺ faced the Kaaba, his back would be turned to Baytul Maqdis. So the Prophet ﷺ therefore chose to face Baytul Maqdis. And why was it that the Prophet ﷺ faced Baytul Maqdis instead of Masjid al-Haram? Why? Naam? Because? Because Ahlul Kitab, that when a Sharia does not come to the Prophet in the initial stages, when no laws or orders come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the Prophet, he used to love to do things in conformity to the way of Ahlul Kitab. Because their religion has a basis and it has an origin. And Ahlul Kitab, they used to face Baytul Maqdis. And who from the Ahlul Kitab? Al Yahud, the Jews used to face Baytul Maqdis. So therefore the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did it in conformity to them. However though, although he was doing that, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam yearned and he wanted to face Masjid Al-Haram. But because it was an order from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he kept facing Baytul Maqdis. And not only did the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam want to face Masjid Al-Haram, in fact there were Sahaba that wanted to face Masjid Al-Haram. And even before these verses were revealed to change the direction of the Qibla, there was a Sahabi that used to pray in the direction of the Kaaba. In fact, it was said he was the first person before the order came down to pray in the direction of the Kaaba. And what's the name of the Sahabi? Bara ibn Ma'rur. He was the first. Until the Prophet ordered him and said to him, Law sabarta, kunta ala Qibla, walakin law sabarta. Indeed, you face the Qibla, meaning the Kaaba, but be patient until the revelations revealed. But he passed away before the revelation concerning Tahweel Qibla, the changing of the Qibla. However, upon his deathbed, he told his wife to turn his body before he passed away in the direction of the Qibla. So they said this Sahabi was the first to face the Qibla, dead and alive. The first to face the Qibla. So the Prophet ﷺ told him, Kunta ala qibla. He was upon the Qibla anyway, but you be patient for the revelation. 
Now last week, we didn't explain this part of hadith. Kunta ala qibla. You was upon the qibla. You was upon the qibla because a qibla or qibla al-asliya masjidul haram al-ka'aba. The original qibla is where? Masjidul haram. Not Baytul Maqdis. And why is the original qibla masjidul haram, the Kaaba in the first place? Because awwalu bayt wudi al-nas. The first house that was established for the worship of mankind was where? The Kaaba, Masjidul Haram. And Ibrahim alayhi salam erased the foundation of the Kaaba. He was not right, raised the foundation. As for Baytul Maqdis, who built Baytul Maqdis? Ya'qub. And who is Ya'qub to Ibrahim? Grandson. So between Masjidul Haram and or the Kaaba, the uh, raising of the foundation of Kaaba and Baytul Maqdis were 40 years. So the original Qibla in the first place is where? The Kaaba. Secondly, they say it's not only the original Qibla, it is the only Qibla, some say, which is the Kaaba. But the most Sahih opinion of Allah Ta'ala Alam, the original Kaaba or the original Qibla Afwan is the Kaaba. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, although he yearned this, he followed the order of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Until the order of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala came down, قَدْ نَرَى تَقَلُّبَ وَجْهِكَ فِي السَّمَاءِ That we have seen the constant rotation of your face or your face looking at the sama, looking at the heavens. When this order came to the Prophet then he started to face the way, the Kaaba. And he was said, this order came to the Prophet and the first salah that was prayed facing the Kaaba, some say Salatul Fajr and some say Salatul Al-Asr. And when this order came to the Prophet one of the people that prayed with the Prophet he passed by a masjid of people and he said to them, Ashhadu billah, laqad sallaytu ma'a Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, qibala al-ka'aba. He said, I swear to you by Allah, I've prayed with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And they prayed in the direction of the Kaaba. And when he said this to the people, and this is a proof of what? That we as Muslims would accept a hadith al-ahad. Narrations that are narrated by one or two people, it suffices. It doesn't have to be mutawatir. When he said this to them, what did the Sahaba anhum, what did they do? They turned immediately and faced the direction of where? Masjidul Haram. The direction of the Kaaba, Masjidul Haram. And here, what's more amazing is they were actually in Salah, in the Ruku'ah. They turned in Ruku'ah and faced Masjidul Haram. So from there on, it became an obligation to face Masjidul Haram. Then, other than the incidents, we went on to the explanation of the ayat. And we said, from now on, we're going to be looking at rules and regulations. Why? Because a lot of rules and regulations came down where? In Medina. So this ayah, There's a lot of rules and regulations. Rules and regulations of fiqh. And when we say fiqh, we mentioned last week, mean fiqh in its general terms. Because anything that enters into understanding of the religion is fiqh. And the greatest fiqh is the fiqh of what? Fiqh Tawheed, Fiqh Aqeedah. That's what Abu Hanifa rahimahullahu ta'ala called his book, Fiqhul Akbar, the greatest fiqh in Aqeedah. So when we talk about rules and regulations, Aqeedah is going to enter into it. So we start with the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, قَدْ نَرَى تَقَلُّبَ وَجْكَ فِي السَّمَاءِ فَلَلْوَلِّيَنَّكَ قِبَلَةً تَرْضَاهَ فَوَلِّ وَجْهَكَ شَطْرًا مَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ وَحَيْثُ مَا كُنْتُمْ فَوَلُّ وُجُوهَكُمْ شَطْرًا وَإِنَّ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابِ لَيَعْلَمُونَ أَنَّهُ الْحَقِّ مِنْ رَبِّهِمْ وَمَا اللَّهُ بِغَافِلٍ عَمَّا يَعْمَلُونَ So in this ayah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that قَدْ نَرَى Indeed we have seen 
The first rule, or the first, not rule, rather, the first benefit from this ayah is what? Allah Ta'ala said, we have seen. But, literally, nara, it means we see. Jumla, or fi'il mudari'. Fi'lu al-mudari'. It's a present tense, a present simple. Something which is simple, we see. But in reality, Allah, he saw. So he said the first benefit from this ayah is what? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing something that happened in the past with a present tense. Why? Because it was repeatedly done by the Prophet. So because it was repeatedly done, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is what? A present simple that denotes something which is habitual, that he constantly looked at the where? The heavens. So the fact he did so, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, we continue, we see. And we got from this ayah as well, قَدْ نَرَى إِثْبَاتُ رُؤْيَةُ The affirmation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a very important point in aqeedah, Allah, He sees. And we say ru'ya is of two types. رُؤْيَةُ الْعِلْمِ Seen according to knowledge. For example, I said, do you see what I'm saying? I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? And then there's ru'ya al-haqiqiyya. There's real ru'ya. Ru'ya bil-basa, with the sight. Like the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I see. So how do you differentiate between when you read in the Quran between a ru'ya bil basar or ru'ya bil ilm? How do you differentiate? If it's a sight based on knowledge or sight based on real sighting or something. This is your homework. Huh? There's a context of the ayah, barakallahu feek, like the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, alam tara, did you not see? Kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi ashabil feel? According to the context of the ayah, the Prophet was born when? Amul feel, he would not have seen. But have you not seen? Do you not understand? Do you not have knowledge? But however, there's one thing that is common in all of these ayah for you to know between ru'yatul basar, seeing, real seeing, and seeing meaning understanding. And if you read this ayat, inshallah ta'ala, from a linguistic point of view, you will see it. So that's your homework. Next week, whoever brings it. That when you look at ayah, ru'yatul basar, look at it in Arabic, there's one thing that will point it out to you immediately, linguistically. You know you know what? Knowledge is meant here or real sighting is meant here. So this is your homework for next week, inshallah. Tayyib. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ifbatu ru'ya, nara taqalluba wajhika fi sama. From this ayah, a lot of ahkam. Wajhika fi sama. And we said this is also a proof of what? Ulullah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a proof of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Aliyun. al-a'la, The highest. And we said the loftiness and the highness of Allah is of two types. And what are the two types? that Allah ta'ala physically is above all things. Wa ulu al-ma'na. And in meaning and attributes and characteristics, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above all things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said yamina wa shimalan because he said the Prophet for him to look at the heavens was making dua. dua is where? The heaven. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, We're going to give you a qibla which you please with. And wherever you are, turn your faces to the direction of Masjid al-Haram. So the first khitab was to the Prophet that turn your face. And the second address is to the, the Ummah. 
So from this, we got one point of benefit that any address in the Quran to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam are of three types. Specific to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Jayid, specific. Give me an example of an eye which is specific to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Yeah, Anjum. Sheikh Anjum. And we studied this before. Those ayah or eye which is specific to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Khas bil Rasul. Yani al Khitab. Salman. Huh? Sorry? La. That is specific to the Prophet. Example, the physical spirit of the chest was food, the Prophet. And there's some ayat which is muwajjaha. There's difference between khitab, addressing, and directing. There's some khitab which is directed to the Prophet and the rest of the ummah. And an example of this is what? Ya ayyuhan nabi, idha talaqtumun nisa, fatalliquhunna. Allah Ta'ala said, fatalliq, fatalliqu. Divorce them, all of you. So this is directed to the Prophet and the rest of the ummah. And there's some khitab that is addressing the Prophet only. And the difference amongst the scholars is whatever is addressing the Prophet ﷺ, does he also address us or direct it to us? Some of the scholars say yes, because he's the leader of the Ummah. So therefore, he represents us. Whatever is addressed with, we're addressed with, unless there's proof. And the other scholars say no, it's only for him the address. However, it's directed to all of us, because we have to follow his examples. Just ikhtilaf lovely in terms of wording. So we got this from the eye as well. So turn your face towards Masjid al-Haram. Now, the fact this is directed to us, we took from this ayah that it's an obligation. Now, there's one which is directed, ruling to him and the rest of the ummah. And the third one is, the ulama say it is only for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. However, it is, sorry, it's only for the Prophet Sallallahu but also he's the one being addressed. Only being addressed, but also the Ummah is being addressed. Jayid? So Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala made it an obligation but it's eye to face the general direction of Masjid Al-Haram. So we're going to the rules and regulation. We have to face direction of Masjid Al-Haram. We don't have to face exactly the the Kaaba, because you can't see the Kaaba. But the ruling is to face the general direction of Masjid al-Haram. So therefore, based on this, if a person wants to go a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, it's not an issue. But the issue will be if the Kaaba is to the left of you and you're praying towards the right. Or the Kaaba is in front of you, or Masjid al-Haram, sorry, the direction of Masjid al-Haram is in front of you, and you're praying towards the the back that's when it becomes an issue that's when it becomes an issue but to go a little bit like this a little bit like that that's not when it becomes an issue and the proof of this is the saying of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam to ahlul madina the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said whatever is between the east and the west that's specific for the people of medina because of their direction whatever is between the east and the west is the qibla and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, also the hadith we discussed last week, La tastaqbilu qiblata bighaitin wa la bawlin wa la tastadbiruha, tastadbiruha, wa la kin sharriqu aw gharribu. Do not face the direction of the qibla 
with ghaid, with defecating or urinating. However, the Prophet said, nor should you turn your back to the direction of the that direction, defecating or urinating. Walakin. However, turn to the east and the order or the west. Jayin. However, facing the Qibla or facing Masjid al-Haram is an obligation except in three circumstances. Three circumstances. You don't have to face the direction of Masjid al-Haram. And those three circumstances are number one, عند الخوف. At the time of fear. At the time of fear. For example, you're fleeing from an enemy. Tayyib, you face any direction you can. Jayid, number two, al-ajzu inability for example a person is ill and he's upon a bed hospital bed for example and there's nobody to turn him in the direction of the qibla he prays as he is but when we're saying inability a time of sickness that's an example it doesn't mean inability is only a time of sickness there's other inabilities who could give me an example of another inability where you prayed and you don't now being paralyzed barakalafiq Another example, traveling. When you're traveling and you're not able, for example, you're on a plane. Some planes like Saudi Airline or some other airlines, they actually show the direction of the, of the, of the Masjid al-Haram, of the Qibla. But depending whether they've made space for you to be able to pray, like Saudi Airline, they should take out seats with a little musalla at the back, you could pray. It's not, you not, cannot always do it. So you pray and fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فَاتَّقُوا ma stata'atum. What's another example of inability? Al-ilm, knowledge. For example, the time of Asr is about to leave and Maghrib is about to enter but you don't know the direction of Qibla. You don't know. You've done all your ijtihad. You, don't, you pray. You have to pray on time. The time has a precedence. You're unable to know where the direction of Qibla. The third exception is النَّافِلَ fi safar voluntary prayers when you are traveling and nafila fi safar because the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to sit on his riding animal and wherever he turned him for nafila he will pray so people should not confuse obligatory prayers with voluntary prayers there's some people when they're traveling they believe subhanallah any direction i could just face because the prophet did it when he was traveling no if you're able to face the Qibla, face the Qibla. But for voluntary prayers, you're allowed to on travel, not as a traveler. Fi safari. On travel, you're on a car, you're on a coach, you're on a plane, you're on a train, you want to pray a voluntary prayer, you could do so. Jayid, fi safari. Upon your journey. Jayid, not just generally, okay, I'm traveling, I could face the action of Qibla. For example, I was on a train in Nigeria, and uh, the train, they had an area where people could pray. Jayid, and usually it's in one kind of like uh, direction sometimes. Jayid, but it's an obligatory prayer. If you're able to, then you face there. And if you can't, fail Allah to the best of your ability, you face everywhere, you could find a space and pray. Where you could make sujood and so on and so forth, if it allows you to do so, then you pray. Tayyib. Uh, next, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from the benefits is I, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after saying to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, فَوَلُّوا وُجُوهَكُمْ شَطْرَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam وَإِنَّ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ لَيَعْلَمُونَ أَنَّهُ الْحَقْ مِرَبِّهِمْ As for those, أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ That inherited or the people of the book before you, they know 
annahul haq but not they know but rather la mutawkid they definitely with assurity they know it is truth from their lord it is a truth from their lord and what is the proof that they know for a fact is proof from their lord but yet they do not follow what is proof of this the proof of this are those majmu'a those groups of ayat we took before this and that's why we say we're studying the tafsir according to order of revelation because we'll make you understand in what context this ayah were revealed and the groups of verses that was first set down upon the prophet in medina was concerning what ahlul kitab the first of those ayah was what for waylun لِلَّذِينَ يَكْتُبُونَ الْكِتَابَ بِأَيْدِيهِمْ ثُمَّ يَقُولُونَ هَذَا مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ So the Prophet he came to an environment for the first time, Ahlul Kitab. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described the nature of Ahlul Kitab, especially the Yahud. And what true it is, they're different attributes. And one of their first attributes was what? Al-Kitabah. They write down things and claim it was from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Jayid? So therefore, they know, but they write down things. And that's why some of the ulama say, even Baytul Maqdis, Although it was built, not only was it not the original Qibla, some of the ulama say it was not the Qibla at all. This is something they wrote themselves. Secondly, from the attributes, tahriful kalim, distortion of words. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, afatatma'oon, and yu'minu lakum. Do you have any hope they're going to believe in you? وَقَدْ كَانَ فَرِيقٌ مِنْهُمْ يَسْمَعُونَ كَلَامَ اللَّهِ ثُمَّ يُحَرِّفُونَهُ That a group of them, they distort the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even though they know from after they heard they distort the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala After they've comprehended it and they know they distort in the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So Allah ta'ala tell the Prophet sallallahu they know for a fact And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the verses before that also said to the Prophet sallallahu That وَلَمَّا جَاءَهُمْ that when a messenger comes to them from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with that which is with them is confirming it and affirming it that a group of people from the book they will hide or throw the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala behind their backs as though they do not know but here Allah ta'ala said they definitely know so they definitely 100% know الحق, It is the truth from their Lord And this is a reality In the time we're in today That they know for a fact Especially the scholars of Ahlul Kitab That this is the truth from your Lord I remember one time I've mentioned this story many times I was on a train Before understanding Arabic There was a book It was about marriage I wasn't married then So I was reading about the fiqh of marriage so this book is called, it was written in Arabic, but I couldn't read Arabic then. It was written in Arabic, the front was translated to English, Kitabun Nikah, the book of An-Nikah. So I was reading it on the train, and one old man was sitting next to me, it was in the 70s or maybe 80s, very old. He was sitting next to me, and he said, you know, he took the book from my hand, and he started to read the title in Arabic, Kitabun Nikah. And he said, I'm a Jew. And he looked what people say typically may look like a Jewish person. He said, I'm a Jew. And he said, yeah, and he's summarizing or in his own words that this religion is the truth. It covers every single thing. But yet he said, I'm a, I'm a Jew. But he said, this religion is the truth. I remember some of the, well, the people that have irritate you, wind you up in Hyde Park when you go there for da'wah. 
One day there was an argument, argument, argument. And there was a Jewish man there like laughing. And Subhanahu Malik Kudus. He said in his own word exactly the ayah. He was saying it to my cousin. He said, Subhanallah. He said, these people are arguing with you. And he was laughing. He said, we know what Muhammad came with is the truth. We know Muhammad as we know our own children. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَعْرِفُونَهُ كَمَا يَعْرِفُونَ أَبْنَاءَهُمْ And that's why of recent, there's a big, massive controversy where? In the Catholic Church. Because of a statement that's been attributed to the who? The Pope. And what did he say? I thought it was a hoax. You know, I thought it was a hoax. You know, these people send these WhatsApp. And then I actually, and it was the truth. He actually said it. Concerning who? Thank you. The Trinity or the divinity of Isa. The divinity of Jesus. Big controversy. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَإِنَّهُ That they know. But Allah is not heedless of what they do. Meaning the fact that they know and they do not follow, they be punished by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And next verse that follows that insha'Allah ta'ala is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the fact that these people they know is the truth. No matter what you say to them, no matter what you do, they're not going to follow you anyway. Because when somebody knows and is not confused, he knows it's the truth, but it's very difficult to be guided. When you know something is the truth and you do not follow it, it's difficult. But if you're confused, you have doubts, it's possible. And what causes this knowing the truth and not wanting to flow for it? What causes it? Huh? Jazakallah khairan. Istikbar, pride. And this is one of the sifa of the Ahlul Kitab, the Yahud. And the sifa to shaitan. Because what made shaitan refuse? Abba was takbar. He refused and he was proud in his haughty. And that's why the Prophet sallallahu describing kibr, he said kibr is what? Raddul haqq. Is to refuse the truth. So that pride, he made them refuse it. Secondly, what makes you refuse the truth? When we describe the attributes of the Yahud, what made them refuse the truth? Even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَمَّا جَاءَهُمْ كِتَابٌ مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ مُصَدِّقٌ لِمَا مَعَهُمْ وَكَانُوا مِنْ قَبْلُ يَسْتَفْتِحُونَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا That when a book came to them from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and before that, يَسْتَفْتِحُونَ they used to claim they're going to be victorious over the mushrikeen. That a prophet is going to come. We're going to, we're going to kill you and destroy you as Aad and Thamud who destroyed. Right? Remember this. They said, we're going to do this to you. The Yahud, they're waiting for the Prophet to come. What's the other thing that caused them to do this? What causes them to like reject the truth? Other than pride. Asabiyya. Which in most cases, if you understand racism, nationalism, colorism is born of what jealousy some people they really really hate you sometimes racism the basis of it other than being pride haughty default in aqidah is really jealousy it's jealousy it could be about okay ease of this complexion he gets a better job it's a reality but that's what allah ta'ala is written for him or they say they're going to take all our women Jayid? So the Yahud, one of their sifa is Hasad. That's Allah Ta'ala said, They wish they could make far. Why? Hasadan min indi anfusihim. Out of jealousy which is in their souls. After the truth has been made clear to them. So the issue of Tahweel Qibla, it's not about them facing the Qibla. They don't mind that. The issue is in facing the Qibla, what does it show? They followed who? The Prophet 
And this is why racism, nationalism is a danger. Why? Because you reject the truth due to your pride, because of who it is coming from. You reject the truth based on your jealousy because I don't want to be seen like I'm following that individual. So this was the issue. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the fact that they already know the truth is different to the, the Christians. They were people that worship Allah upon ignorance. And that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said about them. That from amongst them are worshippers, people that are devoted. When they hear the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their eyes will flow with tears. As the people of Najashi, the priest of Najashi, when he read from Surah Maryam, yeah, their beard became what? Wet with tears. And even what they were holding from the Bible was wet with tears. Because they're ignorant people. But people that know and they don't follow, it's very difficult. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. Even if you was to bring every single proof to them. They will never follow your Qibla. They will never. And that's why I say in Baqarah, there are people that there's hope for. And there's people there's no hope for. And that's why Allah Ta'ala says, Because you don't give up da'wah, hope or da'wah of anybody. But these people, do you have any hope they're going to be? Believe? And a group of people of them, they heard the words of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and they distorted it after they understood and they knew. So a person that knows and, he do, and he's stubborn, he doesn't say, you know what, I'm not following. So some people know the sunnah, but they don't follow. But they don't have an issue with those who follow. They're like, you know what, I'm just weak. But a person that really knows, and you know he knows, uh, it's, it's a road of khalas. It's sometimes a no, road of no return. And some of these people, they know it. It's a road of no return. But instead of turning back, the pride stops them from turning back. And an interesting example of like this is how knowledge, subhanAllah, Uthameen rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned that people that know and they fight against it Uthameen rahimahullah ta'ala ذَمُّ مَنْ عَلِمَ الْحَقِّ وَلَمْ يَتَّبِعْهُ The blameworthiness of a person that knows the truth but yet he doesn't follow it And this them is not just an easy them Even the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says مَثَلُهُ كَمَثَلِ كَلْبٍ His example is that the example of what? A dog and what is this ayah? Uh, who is this ayah revealed concerning? A person from the greatest of scholars. Jayyid at the time of Musa alayhi salam. They said this person, he had dua'ul mustajab. That Allah Ta'ala said, Lo shi'na la rafa'nahu. If he wanted, we'll erase them. They said this individual was a siddiq. He had that level, martaba siddiqiyya. La rafa'nahu wa kurayzim wa sabaf siddiqiyya nubuwa, prophethood. Walakin akhlad ila al-ard. He stopped to the dunya. So this man was a scholar. They said he used to give a class. If he makes a dua, Allahumma anzil al-matar. Allah let the rain fall. The rain will fall immediately. Some of them in the tafsir, I don't know if this is Israeliyat or not. They say when he gave the class, he could see the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To this level. So the Musa came to attack his people. And he knew he was a prophet. Jayyid. And the people went to him. His people said, No, Musa Nabiullah. Musa is a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I could not make dua against him. And they kept going on and on and on and on until he fell into their trap. And he went to make dua against Musa. But every time he tried to make the dua, Allah would twist his tongue. And he said, Allah mahli qawmi. Allah destroy my people. At this point now, he knows he's wrong. But what did he say? 
He said, I've destroyed my dunya and akhirah. I might as well just go all the way now. Subhanallah. When you realize that dua is not going to work, then, subhanallah, to show the fitness of women, the, the useless example of fitness of women, he said, to destroy the army of Musa, what you need to do, send the most beautiful of your women into his camp and make her, give her the best of makeup and adornments. And they sent this woman to, and she destroyed the camp of Musa. How? When she got into their camp, one of the men, the armies of Musa, said, Are these the women Allah Ta'ala has prohibited us from doing uh, fornicating with, adultery with, committing illicit behavior with? Musa said, Naam. He said, I'm going to do it. Right in front of Musa. And Allah Ta'ala inflicted a plague upon the whole army. Like the hadith of Prophet when fawahish, illicit sexual becomes common, disease will appear amongst you that never existed amongst your, amongst your people. Fitnat in Nisa. Anyway. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَهُمْ يَعْلَمُونَ So if you used to come to the مَا تَبِعُوا قِبْلَتَكَ They will never forget your qibla. وَمَا أَنْتَ بِتَابِعٍ قِبْلَتَهُمْ And what's the ayah? وَمَا أَنْتَ بِتَابِعٍ قِبْلَتَهُمْ What's the translation of the verse? وَمَا أَنْتَ بِتَابِعٍ قِبْلَتَهُمْ وَمَا بَعْضُهُمْ بِتَابِعٍ قِبْلَتَ بَعْدٍ What's the translation? Because for the class you should do your homework, right? The translation is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not say to the Prophet you, he doesn't say, la tattabi'u, don't follow their qibla. He didn't say that, do not follow their qibla. He said, ma anta bitabi'in, you are not a follower. So for example, I could say here, to our brother, I could say, do not go to the mall. But if I say you're a person that doesn't go to his mall, that's his constant characteristic. Meaning the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, constant, he never and he always goes against what their ways subhanallah there's a difference between do not do and a difference between you're not a doer of a massive difference this is more intense that you are not you're not a follower of their ways meaning from now on you're going to go if they do it this way you're going to do it that way in the opposite completely and we end with this benefit inshallah there's more benefit from the ayat we'll do next week inshallah rahimallah ta'ala he said about this ayah that the benefit of this ayah is wujub mukhalafat al mushrikeen. This ayah, ma anta bitabi'in, that if this is your conscience, if this is the constant attribute of the Prophet, it should be the constant attribute of who the believer. The obligation for mukhalafa to go against the way of the mushrikeen in that which is specific to them. Because Allah said, you never follow their way. In anything specific to them, you should never follow the way. وَلِهَذَا حَذَّرَ النَّبِيَّ حَذَّرَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ مِنْ مُشَابَهَةِ الْكُفَّارِ And for that reason, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم warned against following or copying the kuffar or emulating them. مَنْ تَشَبَّهَ بِقَوْمٍ فَهُوَ مِنْهُمْ Whoever resembles or copies or emulates the people is from them. And we say that which is specific to them. So wearing a suit and tie does not mean you're copying them because it's not specific to the kuffar. مَنْ تَشَبَّهَ بِقَوْمِ فَهُوَ مِنْهُمْ وَقَالْ And the Prophet ﷺ said خَالِفُ الْمُجُوسِ Go against or be different to the fire worshippers. وَفِّرُوا الْلِحَاءِ Keep your beard, allow it to grow and trim the moustache. Subhanallah. Allow your beard to grow, trim your moustache. So from the ways of the mushrikeen is either one or two things. Either they shave their beard or they leave their moustache to, to grow. 
So the issue of the beard, it enters into the issue of what? Mukhalafat al-Mushrikeen, and which is an obligation that you have to be different to the Mushrikeen. Jayid, keep your beard and trim your mustache. And that which is beautiful is that which Allah Ta'ala made beautiful. Wallahi. You know the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Hatta akun basara alladhi yubsiru bi'a, becomes his eye by which he sees with. And this is haram to do this. Why? Tashbih. But I become his eyes by which he sees with. Meaning a believer sees through the eyes of who? Eyes of Allah. Allah sees something with tayyib, he sees it with tayyib. And wallahi, ikhwan, anybody who's a lover of the sunnah, you see your brother sometimes, maybe he's young, maybe he's old, maybe from a certain nationality, like Filipino, Malaysian. Their beard doesn't really, you understand? Or even Abu Abdullah, he doesn't have a full beard from when I've known him. Right? But to me, Allah ibarat fi, mashallah, wallahum bar, he looks very beautiful. I see some young brothers just going like this. But it looks so beautiful because you're seeing it through a different way. And we, if you don't have that iman, you ask Allah to give you that iman. Because Aisha radiallahu anha used to swear by Allah who made a man beautiful with his beard. Allah ta'ala said, hadahum Allah These are the people Allah has guided. So follow the guidance. When he spoke about the Anbiya, and then the Tafsirat ayah, they said the Sunnah of the Anbiya is the Sunnah of the what? The beard. So that ayah, the sun of all the anbiya, the greatest sunnah, sunnah of the beard. And especially to the young brothers. Forget this nonsense. I want it to grow smoothly. I want it to go evenly and all this rubbish. Leave it. The Prophet says, Afu liha. And you find some of the non-Muslims that LeBron James, I don't know what they saw. They have some big, like if you go to Philly, Philadelphia now, it's become a thing. Like, man, I have to put some oil on my sunnah, man. They call it the sunnah even. They go as far as according to the sunnah. They call it the sunnah. On my sunnah. Jayin. And he has other benefits. But the most important thing, Wallahi, mi yahud, especially for the young men, forget what people say, it looks like, it looks like this, it looks like that. But a person really sees. And even a person in his fitrah, even a non-Muslim, they see it to be a beautiful thing. So, mi yahud nasar wujub. And in other things as well, Uthameen rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned from the other thing, the issue of hair. You could have the issue of haircuts and clothing, is something which is what? Hill. Because the root of everything is halal. But if you know, for example, the thobe you're wearing now, if you know that this kind of clothing is famous or known for fusaq, you shouldn't wear it. So for example, some of the thobes have some design. It's okay. Nigerian thobe has design. It's okay. But if you know it's a specific set of people that wear these type of things, you shouldn't do it. And it's specific to the clothing of fusaq and the kufar, you shouldn't do it. Things like, let's say, for example, sports gear. This is mushtara kunfi. This is something that everyone partakes in. Good, bad, evil. That's not that. There's things, yeah, that certain type of clothing, I don't want to mention here. Certain types of clothing that by the label, by the sign, you know the kind of people that wear it. Certain types of dressing. For example, when I grew up in England, I used to have all these arguments with my parents, you know. You know Nigerians, the way they are, they want you to dress. Even if you're 40 years old, they're still in control of how you dress you know, how you wear. So I remember the things that was in in those days were things like chippy, which is very bag of jeans, right? And they had these uh, shoes, raga, they used to call them, like three colors on them. I don't know if it was a copy of Bali or ripped jeans, bleach. That was the thing in fashion at that time, right? And my parents used to go mad. And I understand why now. They used to go crazy. You can't wear this, you can't wear that. These are clothes for suck, so some people wear this. And there was a reality to that, that the people that wore that kind of clothing there were certain type of people, those very baggy jeans, that if you land, if you fall off a cliff, it probably takes two weeks to land. 
Yeah, so now if you have people that wear their trousers, yeah, and it's hanging by their backside, what kind of people wear that? And what is the history behind that? Why do people wear their trousers like that? Because in the prisons, they don't allow you to have a belt because you hang, some of them hang themselves, kill themselves. That's the history of it. So they're always pulling it up, right? But now he comes out of prison, but he's still got a prison mentality. And he's coming out with his trousers hanging halfway down. And you find people copying this. Certain types of hairstyles, they're not respectable hairstyles. So my mom used to warn me, there was these uh, string vests. There's nothing wrong with a vest, you know the string vest. But my string vest had all the colors of the rainbows on it, you know? Red, green, black, you know those string vests, the t-shirt ones, right? And she'll be against you, no, you can't wear this, you can't wear that. SubhanAllah, as I became older, and with the discriminatory nature of the system over there, the, what some people not realize, the institutional racism, dressing like that, I was more likely to get stopped. Dressing like that likely to get stopped. Not only are you likely to get stopped, you're more likely to be arrested and even sometimes prosecuted for nothing. For nothing. I remember there was a friend of mine, the same jacket my father told me not to wear. The same exact jacket. Because those criminals, they used to wear it. There's a type of jacket, now you wear it. Once you pull the hood over your head, it's got these dark glasses. Right? Why do you want to wear that? Why? Because when you have to make a move and go into a house quickly, poop, they put that over their face and go and do what they have to do. That's why one of the sports brands was condemned recently with a thing they made where it covers your face. A famous uh, sports brand. Because people that stab people, they pull that thing, CCTV, they had to pull it from the shops. So he was wearing exactly the same jacket, subhanAllah. He was arrested, taken to prison for a crime. Yes, he didn't commit because the people that commit, they're wearing exactly the same type of jacket. But he had a gold solicitor. The only thing that got him off, I don't know if his mother had sewn it or he always had it like that. The sleeve of his jacket was constantly rolled. So when they closed in on the CCTV, his solicitor, they said, he can't be my client. His sleeve is like this. That's the only thing that got him off. So likewise, if you don't want people to judge you a certain way, do not dress a certain way. Do not have certain types of hairstyle. Wallahu ta'ala alam. We stop it, inshallah ta'ala. This ayah, we'll, continue, we'll finish the ahkam from it and then go back to the seerah next week, inshallah. Subhanakallah, bihamdika, shalwa, la ilaha, anta, astaghfirullah,